Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do hopefully. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's county final season for sure now, lads. If it's not a if you have a club has a match this weekend, it's not a county final. We're not going to mention it because there's enough county finals, and we have to get through all the news um, of the week as well. So we're going to start with the Kilkenny county final: Ballyhill Shamrocks against O'Loughlin Gales. Um, O'Loughlin Gales won their last county title in 2018. They beat Ballyhill Shamrocks, so that's a different Ballyhill Shamrocks team. Um, to the one it is now because they're going through a little bit of transition. They didn't even make the count the county final in 2019 and then Henry came in and the under 20s came up through and we know what they're like now so like I mean last year's final was a one-sided one this is on TG Cahar at half past one you better get the, the Sunday dinner into you nice and early um, you can have a bit of dessert watching this one um, one-sided one now I think yeah, it was t- 2016 um, when 16 um, yeah well can I just say I forgot my glasses so if anyone's <laughs> looking at this and if I make a lot of mistakes more mistakes than usual I left my bag at home and I've no glasses so I'm, I'm struggling to read that bloody screen we'll let you away with that one so no yeah 2016 like I'd say Ballyhale don't lose county finals too often like so maybe like O'Loughlin Gales they'll definitely be going into this one as underdogs but um, having beaten them in 2016, I noticed four, five, I think, five players who played in that 2016 final who are still there. Only like, five? Yeah, I think it's only five. And if Paddy Deegan, Hugh Lawler are still there, we'll obviously be watching Paddy Deegan. This is Paddy Versus De- Joey Holden. Paddy Deegan watch, yeah. That's Holden, Holden will put manners on Deegan, I reckon. I'm telling you, that'd be a good one to watch out for. And um, like O'Loughlin Gales, like obviously they're, they're a town team in Kilkenny so they're going to be good anyway but they were in the intermediate quarter final in Kilkenny this year as well like that's their second team like which shows the strength and depth that they have like because we know how competitive that grade is as well and like they haven't they, they had a great win over Tullerone like Tullerone had played well all year the last day so they'll be coming in with a small bit of confidence but you just always worry when it's Ballyhale that if they turn on the style like they did last year against Dixborough that it could be a bit of a route. Like. Yeah, hammer Dixborough. There'll, there'll have to be a change of jerseys here too, won't there? Just the jerseys are the exact same. Exact I was same, just yeah. thinking it, yeah. So someone will be wearing the, the green. I'd all say. green, yeah. Like Tullerone went all green with the sash. The other match on TG Cahar, Lee, is at 3.15. It's St. Eunan's versus Nave Connell. Now, I love Nave Connell. I respect Nave Connell. I can't watch Nave Connell. That's the only problem I have with them. They're playing Eunan's and... Unions are going for a double, which is we're talking a lot about dual clubs and, and you know, you made the point, um, Lee, you know, it's not always easy to do it when the interest isn't there, you know, up in Ulster sometimes in the hurling. Unions, Donegal not known as a strong, a strong, a hurling stronghold, but Unions won a county title they weren't expected to win uh, last weekend and are now going for the double. Yeah, and fair play to them. I mean, like, like you say, it isn't really a thing up here in Ulster, but uh They've shocked everyone and the club itself will have some real momentum behind that. I'm not too sure how many dual players are involved, but just as a community, they just must, you know, have serious belief within themselves. Um, I know what you mean by Neil Connell, like in the way that they, they play football, it can be a bit cagey, a bit boring, but uh, you always get at least one moment of magic from Kieran Thompson. I think it was Kilkiar last time in the in the quarterfinal or the semifinal. Um, he took a short sideline, he used it as a one-two and then he just curled over this like this absolute beauty. I mean, and at that point of the match, it was so boring, so cagey. 
uh, it was really it was teaming down with rain but that little moment that you know it really it, it spurted me up anyway and it made me think oh maybe maybe this is worth watching so tune in for that at least yeah I think I'd nodded off for that one then so I missed it I, I'm Nave Connell highlights I love them absolutely love them you just see the TG Catter highlights or on TG Bio or GABO on, on TG Catter and you've enough you know how many uh, dual players unions have you're upset you're as obsessed about this as I am now yeah we've we're we're looking at it every week now and it's the, the two boys for units, two boys in the starting team anyway. They're Kevin Keeley and uh, Sean McVeigh as well. So um, they'll be coming in here with a lot of confidence, you know, having won that. They will, exactly. Other county final in Leash, we're talking about dual players. There'll be no dual players in these two clubs unless they're playing a bit of Junior C or Junior uh, D. Boris Kilcotton versus Clock Balakala. This is a repeat of last year's final that was played earlier this year, which Clock Balakala won. Boris Kilcotton have lost the last two finals, the last two years ago, to um, Rat Downey. Interesting one, Clock Balakala manager is Declan Laffin, and you'll know him, uh, Niall. He managed uh, Lockmore Castellani um, to a county t- a double, 2013, and won another two footballs, 14 and 16. He, he managed both teams, as is the custom in Lockmore Castellani. He'll only be managing one team in Clock Balakala. He needn't worry about being overworked over there. Yeah, sure, he'll find it very easy to win when he just has one coach uh, <laughs> focus on it. There's not too much football in Clock Balakala, I'd say, is there? No, no, <laughs> there certainly isn't. But yeah, no, the name... He's highly re- rated manager in yeah, tip. Like, I hadn't known too much... I, I hadn't known that he was the Clock Balakala manager until you mentioned to me this morning, but the name just instantly sp- kind of sprang to mind when you said it, because, like, that was such an iconic achievement for Lockmore to win the two, the hurling, the football in Tipperary in 2013. And uh, I just kind of remember him at the time. He was... He just seemed like a great character, a lad who was a great talker. And sure, he obviously got the best out of the Lockmore players and he's getting the best out of Clock Balakala now. So he, he's doing well with them too. Yeah, no, he definitely is. Another county final is the Kildare County final, Nace versus Sarsfields. Um, a little birdie told me that you pronounce Nace as Nas, um, Lee, here on one of the shows before, which is probably the worst pronunciation I've ever heard, which pr- probably outdoes any terrible pronunciation I've ever done. Oh God! Don't throw that to me. Did I say Nas? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to claim that's a northern thing. Yeah, I can say that. Um, Niall is a little birdie. I I didn't hear that. Niall, <laughs> rat me out and everything. Uh, now I forget which one's the right one. Say it. Nice, 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 nice. I've have it now. In your favor, in your defense, Lee, they haven't won a county title since his '91, and uh, like yeah, I mean, you weren't fault. you weren't born then. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely their fault. I'm only hearing about them now. Um, but. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that I've heard about them, you know, because they've got this fantastic story, obviously, going on. You know, they don't have a manager. They're in the final for the first time in so many years. Um, and like, you know, uh, for a neutral point of view, I'm sure in Kildare, it's a different story. But uh, totally from a neutral point of view, you just want to see the end of that story. You know, this, this sort of myth of this uh, team that won the whole championship without a manager. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, some information you got, Niall, on the management thing is Eamon Callahan said he's the best manager he ever had. Maybe that's a club level. At club, he said, yeah, well, I was talking to the, I was talking to two lads. I was kind of doing a piece on Eamon Callahan yesterday and I was talking to the NACE PRO and he's a bit of a historian as well, Lee McManus, and he sort of educated me on all sorts of facts about Eamon Callaghan. He told me that he's played against every single county in Ireland, including Kilkenny. He played against Kilkenny in a, in a minor challenge game as well. And he was telling me he's the highest appearances. He's played in two millenniums for Nace and Everton. He, he actually made his debut for Nace in um, 99 against Sarsfields and he scored 1-3 that day. So, um, do you know, it's a, it's a great story in fairness, um, the Nace story. And like the same fella, I was talking to Johnny Dial yesterday about Callaghan as well. And he just told me the minute he heard that um, the manager, Paul Kelly, was gone from Nace, he said there was no alarm bells ringing for him about Nace because he said Eamon Callaghan is the calmest man he's ever come across. He said right. when they were in, uh, he said it was a little bit of controversy after Kieran McGeaney left um, Kildare and he said Eamon Callaghan was the captain at the time and he was the main man in sort of resolving that and he's the captain of the Nace team this weekend so like a great man, a great leader for them and like they're a young team so do you know he's going to be he's going to be the man driving them on. Yeah so they've won three of the last uh, minor finals, they're up and coming obviously Derek Kerwin, Alex Burney, these young lads have come through, that's it, they've, they've obviously copped on with their underage, they're a huge town like I mean mm. the Newbridge is able to fly with Sarsfields and Moorfield and Nace you know going nowhere since 1991 until they they, they kind of copped on amazingly Nace and Newbridge Nace and Sarsfields have not met in a county title in a county final since 1904 
and uh, Sarsfields were called Roseberry back then in 1904. So it's just a, like, I mean, there, there's a bit of a novelty about Nace versus Newbridge, you know, when it doesn't happen all that often in Nace versus Sarsfields. My information, and this is coming from a Newbridge side, from a couple of different Newbridge sides, is that the people from Nace look down on Newbridge. They're a little bit more cosmopolitan, have nicer restaurants closer to Dublin, and they look down their noses at Newbridge. So by Jesus, those Sarsfields lads won't... uh, We'll, we'll have to get stuck into them for that. I'd love if this one was on the television, to be honest with you, instead of Unions and Nave Connell. Yeah, like we've seen Nave Connell um, only two it's weeks It's on a two. Ago. It's clashing with the hurling now rather than the, rather than yeah. the football. I, I just love to see that nice game, just the whole story. It's, it's probably the kind of the biggest story of the club season so far, the way that they've gone so far without the manager. But like, um, it definitely is the the young players who are kind of making the difference for Nace. Like they've... They've won, as you said, they've won the three of the last five minors, but apparently those two lads, Kerwin and Alex Byrne, like they're the two, like these are the two forwards that everyone in Kildare is talking about. You know, Byrne was meant to be an absolutely outstanding minor and they've already played, they played for Kildare in the Leinster final against Dublin this year. So, and they've, they've taken the pressure as well off Eamon Callaghan, like he's not kind of the marked man. And as we've seen, like he's kind of flourishing He's less kind of less attention on him, maybe, but they're saying he's playing the football of his life. Yeah, I'm kind of torn of who want, I want to win that one because I want Nace to win it because they haven't won it in a while, and Sarsfields have a sash, so it's kind <laughs> of uh, I'm stuck between two, <laughs> a rock and a hard place. Other county final this weekend is the Mead County Final, Dunboyne versus Wolf Tones. I'm definitely up for Wolf Tones in this one. This is Keen Ward's team, um, one of my best ever pundits um, here on the show. He's fly- absolutely flying it. Wolf Tones last won it in 2006. Hope I'm reading that well off my script that I can barely see. Dunboyne last won it in 2018. Um, funny one here, there was a, a sign put up outside the Wolf Tones uh, village and it was... Uh, like you always get is kind of, you know, cheeky signs. Jeez, I've seen it down through the years in Leash. You know, as you're driving out of one town and into the other, there'd be some kind of wind-up sign. But anyways, the someone from the Wolf Tones put up best of luck for the Wolf Tones against the Dubs um, this Sunday because Dunboyne have two two Dublin players, the Lowndes brothers, Eric Lowndes brothers. And would you believe, Lee, like there's, there's people from Dunboyne getting offended about this on Twitter. I've seen some tweets. It's like, you know, Jesus, like we can all have the bit of crack, but we're proud mead men and we're not dubs. It's like, Jesus, would you ever fucking cop on? I think it's funny that like being called a dub is the worst thing a mead man <laughs> well, it, be called. Well, it is, it is. <laughs> but they take that super yeah, But I understand what you mean because... Uh, the Wolf Tones even, they released a statement and stuff like distancing themselves from it and whatever. I don't know. I think sometimes with these finals, there may be just, maybe there just was no controversy about it. So there was nothing really, you know, it, they needed something to help boil it over and to really raise the tempo up a little bit. But uh, the Wolf Tones v the Dubliners would have been a good, a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a serious, uh, yeah, a serious rivalry there. Um Derry final, Slocknail versus the Glen, uh, Lee. I never realised the Glen have never won it. Yeah, no, they've never won it. And it's just Glenn. It's not the Glenn. Sorry, I'm the guy that has to correct everyone on the team names, as we know. <laughs> um, but no, Glenn have never won it, which is which is remarkable, I think, like, because uh, of all the success they've had. And it's sort of a similar story because they'd have won, I think they won three Ulster minor titles in a row. And everyone was saying, and the, the Glenn senior team at that stage were in intermediate. And they were all saying when these players all come through, like the likes of Connor Glass and Danny Tallon and stuff, and when they start to play senior football, uh, you know, they'll become a real force. And they got to the final in 2019, but they look an even better force again uh, this year and against big-time rivals, Slack Neil. So they're big-time rivals, without, and, and Glenn have never won it. Don't, sound li- don't really sound like rivals to me. Oh, well, uh, maybe it's more in a Glen point of view, to be fair. Uh, it's just because they're both from Mahara, so they share or their neighbouring villages or a derby, whatever way you want to call it. Right. But, um, Slap me, yeah, I always uh, win. Yeah, yeah, it's th- thus far, yeah. But I, I don't know, I, I'm very sympathetic towards Glen. My dad's actually from Slocknail, he's not very interested in football, though. But uh, very sympathetic towards Glen, I kind of I hope they do. Not interested in football, in the greatest jewel no. club in the country? I know, honestly. I think it's... Uh, <laughs> And there's no talking to him. He's more interested in cars. Well, it's a whole different story, Willie. Will <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're moving on. These are the only semi-finals I want to mention. This is the Cork hurling semi-finals. There's semi-finals in Dublin football. There's semi-finals in in Galway hurling. There's semi-finals in Mayo football. There's and now there's semi-finals in Cork hurling. 
all huge games. But like I said, we wanted to focus just on the on the on giving a mention to the county finals. So Glen Rovers play Sarsfields. The reason this is interesting, I wanted to mention it, is because I how do we miss this on one of the Monday mm. shows? Patrick Horgan was sent off in a semi in a in a quarter final <laughs> against Imo Killy. Who are a huge area team down there who have been winning it. Um, have they won the last two or three in a row? And Glen Rovers, Patrick Horgan was sent off in the first half, and Glen Rovers still beat him, O'Kelly. And he got sent off for an off the ball incident. Sounds very out of character for Patrick Horgan, but he's after getting it off. So he's, he's available now for the semi final. So God knows what went on there. Yeah, I've seen a few of the Sarsfields people. I don't think they're too happy. They're like, oh, the. It's always going to happen. The big player always gets off for the for the big game. But like, no, we we don't know too much about it. Like because it was an inc- apparently it was an off the ball incident, and the umpire was the man who brought the the referee's attention to it. But um, like, w- I suppose when when you haven't seen it and when you haven't been there, there's yeah. not much you, you can say. But uh, it's it's fairly out of character for Patrick Horgan to get involved in anything like that. And I suppose like it, it's a it's a huge boost for Glen Rovers, isn't it? Like what a player like if there were to be without him, she's what what like Glen Rovers without Patrick Horgan, it's not the same. Like so, it's a huge boost for them, and it's it's definitely going to make it a little bit more difficult for Sarsfield. This is what I hate in these matches: is when you're the county star, and you, I can, I can only imagine Patrick Horgan like he's in the top players that's ever played hurling. He's back playing for his club. He's in a quarter final. He's in corner forward. Um, you know. Let's be honest, in a club match, any county player is getting, you know, blackguarded off mm. the ball. Do you say, do you wait until the referee sees it or do you take the law into your own hands and maybe, you know, you have to put manners on a ladder. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to see you as a big, you know, baby that can't handle himself. And maybe who knows what happened. It's not like Patrick Horgan even to retaliate, though. That's the thing. But it's interesting. He got sent off, um, but Glen Rovers won. But li- anyways, he's back. So that's the main thing. We'll leave it there for the club, lads, because there's huge breaking news this morning. Morris, Morris Brosnan had this in the 42 that Ushi Mullen is going to uh, Geelong to team up with my buddy Zach Tuhi and Mark O'Connor. Um, you know, a surprise considering we thought he kind of turned it down, Lee. You know, you, you kind of thought he'd gone past that, you know, stage where he's going to be recruited and he was going to stay in GA. That was what all the noise coming out of, of Mayo was. It's just... He must have got an offer he couldn't refuse, and it looks like he's going now. Yeah, I mean it's as simple as that, isn't it? Uh, it's it's a huge loss, obviously to Mayo. I mean that's that goes without saying at this point. But like just to the GAA in general, I mean he was Young Player of the Year last year. I'd be surprised if he didn't get it again this year. And like from a neutral's point of view, you know when I like me who would have nothing, you know, interest in Connacht or any personal um relation to it like when i see mayo v galway or just whatever you always keep an eye out for them players the exciting players you know the yeah. ones that make it entertaining like as a neutrals point of view um so it's just sad you know just that that we'll be deprived of that you know for however how long um and hopefully i suppose he thought he'd give himself another year back to back all Ireland finals for him uh he sort of was he rushed back from injury from the semi-final i, I don't think so he was probably all right but uh yeah, I mean, it must, like you say, an offer you can't refuse. It's a chance to be a professional. There's sunny um, weather and, like, you know, he'd thrive over there. Like, I, it, there's no doubt about it. Like, this, everything that he's known for, you know, his lathicism and things like that, like, <clears> he, he, I just think he's he's made for it. Yeah, I agree. The speed of him, the, the physique, I think he'll be uh, a huge success over there. Well, in, a, in a small way, like, I mean, obviously he's a huge loss. I, I love watching him. He doesn't know anything but 100 miles an hour going straight, you know, up the field. And he does, he's exciting to watch. You get off your seat when he gets his hands on the ball. He wants to make things happen. And he's an anecdote to the kind of boring sideways football we've seen. He is just direct and everything is 100 miles an hour. Um, I suppose, if, like obviously a huge loss. I was thinking like Mayo, if they wanted to lose anyone, did lose a defender, Niall, because they have so many of them. Like, you know, they still have Parik O'Hora, uh, Brendan Harrison, Lee Keegan as a possible full back line with Enda Hessian, you know, there as a, as a fourth. And in the half back line, they still have Paul Durkin, Stephen Cohn, and Owen McLaughlin. You know, so like, I mean, and Hessian can cover the half back line as well. And there's probably a couple more that, that I'm not even leaving. The, the point I'm trying to make is that Mayo's problem is not in defence, it's in attack. If they were to lose Tommy Conroy or, you know, Ryan O'Donoghue mm. or something, you know, I'm wondering, would that be as much of a bigger loss for them? 
she they were missing Oshin Mullen was he injured this year for the semi final against semi, Dublin yeah. and you know yeah. Enda Hessian came in that day and and did a similar sort of a job like he he was nearly one of the breakthrough players of the year and that he just kind of took up from where Oshin Mullen left off like but yeah as you said like Mayo they've they've brilliant they've always had brilliant defenders this team like for the last nine or ten years really like and I know they were all kind of worried that there was always the worry was always there with Oshin Mullen wasn't it that the AFL were kind of lurking and like as Lee said he is that kind of the prototype AFL player like so athletic and so strong and such so skillful as well like and like he will be a huge loss for Mayo but they probably will be able to cope with it as you say just because they have so many so many good defenders it's probably the the forwards that they're maybe missing out a small bit on yeah no and I agree centre back was going to be his position I'm not too sure I'm not sold of Oshin Mullen always in the full back line um, from a couple of different games both against Tyrone actually but uh, as a centre back bombing up the field he was you know absolutely sensational Kevin Moran retired this week as well you know probably not a surprise um the last few years since Liam Cal came in, not like Liam Cal was freezing him out or anything. He just, at his age, he probably didn't fit Liam Cal's style. High energy, high octane, you know, up and down the field. You know, he just probably didn't have the legs to do it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, if he was in his prime, he would have probably been loved the, it, yeah. the ideal player for the for the Liam Cal kind of system. But like Kevin Moore, like where where do you start with him? Really, like he's just like the stats he has, like from having played. I think he played it was to, between 2008 and 2018 he never missed a championship game. The only reason he missed one then was because he was suspended. Like he played something like 140 games for Waterford. He was nominated for six All-Stars. He was even nominated for Hurler of the Year in 2017. Was he? Yeah. That was probably his best year, but like in midfield in 17, wasn't he? Yeah. That was his best position. It's hard to know. I did wing wing back didn't I didn't think uh suited him. Well, he played in every line of the field for yeah. Waterford like and I suppose my standout memory of Kevin Moore and it's something that I'll never forget is the 2013 um I think it was the quarter or it was a it was a qualifier they played against Kilkenny or against Kilkenny in Semple Stadium and it was a really hot evening and like it was it was so tight and Kilkenny were winning the whole way up and up until t- in two with two minutes left in the game Kevin Moore stands up and he sc- he got a point from about 70 yards out, an unbelievable point to bring Waterford within one. And then about two minutes later, he was down the line. He was hooked and he was, there was a Kenny lads, was two or three of them chasing after him. And he came back and stuck it over the bar. And it was just an unbelievable point. And it kind of just summed up Kevin Moore as a man because that game went to extra time. And he had left so much out there and it was a hot evening, obviously. And he wasn't even able to, I think he came out for the first few minutes of extra time, but he had to go off. And I'll never forget the, the commentator on RT radio. He said, I was driving, I, was, I don't know where I was going, but he said that Kevin Moore was on the sideline getting sick. He, he had no more left to give. Right. And I remember the same thing happened to him one day. Um, they played Tipperary as well. He just had to go off because he had no more left to give. And I think it just kind of sums up him as a player, doesn't it? Like, that's the type of lad he was. He left everything out there and, like, he mightn't have been the most stylish or maybe the most gifted hurler, but he was so such a hard worker, such a tough player and, like, like what a teammate for everyone who's played with him down through the years. Like, he's a man you want beside you. That that happened, uh, you reminded me of it, we didn't mention, that happened with uh, Tommy Walsh with Tullerone and O'Loughlin mm. Gales where the last 10 minutes or something and he went down and he had to just go have enough. I, I've, I've nothing here. I think he was playing out in the half forward line. No wonder he bloody man's thirty eight. Yeah, and the, the stands that day in Nolan Park. I think everyone got up between Tullerone and Lachlan Gales, and they gave him a standing ovation as he left the field. Like, but like that's just the type of lads that they are. Do you know these yeah. hurlers that you'd have so much respect for, like for all that they've. Like that isn't that the type of player you want beside you? Just a lad who's going to leave it all out there, like yeah, no, exactly. You're nearly bringing a tear to my eye. That's what they say. Although, like, I mean, I suppose if Kevin Moran's at the stage where he's getting sick, do you ever get sick from a really hard training session? No, it's not. It's, it's not, not something, something that ever happened, happened to me, to me no. either. Now, but uh, seen lads getting sick from a hard training session, but yeah. I don't know. Some like, lads when they're on the beer now the night before they'd be struggling <laughs> the next morning. But I think it is. It's something that some players, some lads just have that. Like I remember I used to do a bit of cross country running and there'd be a few lads on the team with me who'd be like every race they'd run they'd get sick at the end of it. But some lads kind of just maybe we, we're not we're not pushing ourselves enough. Well, you're, a, <laughs> you're a greyhound. We have well like, am, I, am I allowed to announce that your big T V appearance coming up here shortly, no? Uh, she might as well. You've Are, gone there now. A, a show that I like. Um can't say that I always 
record it or look for it, but I'll never flick past Ireland's Fittest Family without stopping and watching it because I like the show. Your family's on it. Uh, when are you on the television? It started already. Yeah, the first week uh, started last Sunday and uh, we're on the 14th. Yeah, that's Sunday week now we're on. So, uh, yeah, it'd be good to watch it. It was uh, it pushed me to my limits anyway. You can't say anymore. Can you tell us who your coach was? I, uh, I can't tell you anything. No? Anagiri, <laughs> ki- come on! <laughs> I'd be killed, really. <laughs> All right. Well, look forward to tuning in on the four- 14th, you said it was. 14th, yeah, Sunday okay. week. Right, so Westmead dressing rooms um, are still closed. Right, so this is a little bit um, unusual. I think the Dublin uh, dressing rooms as well, Lee, are still closed. And look, we're not going back into this too much because we've been through it for so long that, you know, I can't comprehend it. And then I rang the Westmead County Board yesterday morning. I was about to, well, I wasn't going to give out, just wanted to find out what was going on um, once who was talking. But they've released a statement since. So their statement pretty much summed up a lot of the stuff that... um, that I was told, it said Westmead GA acknowledged the fact that dressing rooms may be open for those who are vaccinated or in pods of six where this is mi- where there is mixed immunity status. However, the decision has been taken to keep the dressing rooms closed as it is considered unreasonable for club and county officials to have uh, to demand sight of vaccination cert- certificates of players prior to entry to the dressing room area. It would be particularly unfair on those who are not vaccinated to remain outside with their team uh, while their teammates uh, gain entry. So basically, the way I've, I've read that a little bit awkwardly, the county board said they're not comfortable asking for vaccine search. They're not comfortable allowing whatever percentage of vaccinated players into the dressing room while their teammates uh, stay out in the cold. And I was going to give out shite about the Westmead County Board, Lee, but I think that's perfectly, you know, understandable. So I suppose... The, the, the issue here is the rules that the county boards have been sent down. They're completely unfair. County board officials should not be checking medical records of players. It's complete nonsense. And thankfully, anecdotally, a lot of county boards are just allowing them into shower and they're not checking their their certs as diligently. Westmead County Board obviously want to follow by the complete letter of the law. And if you're following by the letter of the law... I don't think I'd feel rightly about about letting certain lads in and leaving other other lads out. Well, it's not the way uh, that it's done here in the north anyway. I mean, there's certainly nothing to do with you need a COVID uh, or a vaccine passport or anything like that or a certificate uh, to be allowed into the dressing rooms. It's just the dressing rooms are open and it's up to each club nearly individually and not even the county board at this stage. I haven't heard of any that say outright you're not allowed to keep them open. Um, For our last couple of games, we were allowed to use the dressing rooms and it was just it was a throwback, really, you know, straight back in, smell of deep heat, everything. It was just the way it used to be. Um, so, yeah, Westmead, they can see why they're singling that out, uh, in particular, as being the reason, you know, like you say, following the letter of the law, uh, as it were, rather than saying that uh, it's not that they don't want people in the dressing rooms, it's just because they don't want to alienate those who are maybe uh, against the vaccines and things like that. But, like, they, fair enough to them for saying it, because they could have easily have shifted the blame in terms of, we're just copying government guidelines because that's that's what they do for uh, restaurants and things like that or uh, pubs. You know, you have to have this certificate. So it's just a carbon copy of them sort of policies. You know, don't even blame us. But they came out and they said it. It's obviously what they believe in. So, I mean, fair play to them. Yeah, no, well, that's it. So, like, I mean, it's hard to be too critical of them. I did, like, I mean, there is an element of county boards taking this on their, their own back because I suppose as the conversation went on, I said, why do you even have to check them? Jesus, just let them in and get a shower. And then the answer was, well, look, cases are very high at the moment, you know. And then mm-hmm. you're starting to get to the bottom of some of it as well, you know. Like, I mean, that's their worries, you know. Without, I'm not going to get into too much, um, too much of that. It's just if they're sticking by the letter of the law, I do, I do agree with Westmead County Board. It is very, 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 very um, unfair to leave lads out. It's also very, 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 very unfair to have lads play a county final and not let them in get a shower in the freezing cold or tug out in the freezing cold. So you have to weigh up which is fairer. And I'd be 100% coming down on the lines is get into those dressing room lads and get warm and get a shower and, and whatever it is like that. So I suppose that's it kind of um, a little bit explained. Kieran Kingston has shaken up his backroom team, uh, <coughs> Niall. So Gary Deegan's in. Christy O'Connor's out and Cunningham's out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they've they left of their own bat, or we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Where they're told to resign, I, I don't know. They've both said that they that they're they're finished up. As it just so happens, Gary Deegan, he was involved with the high performance boxing, 
Um, did great work there. He was actually in with Kieran Kingston when Kieran Kingston had his first stint when he won the two monsters uh, with them. Um, and he's a he's a sports psychologist. So I think John Myler finished up with Gary Deegan and now he's he's back in. So he's a big one. Uh, Pat Mulcahy is in as well. And you will tell me the other one. Uh, Furlong, Noel so Furlong. He was the minor manager last year, Furlong, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah no, um, I'd say the most exciting one really is uh, to see Pat Mulcahy back in there like I know um, as a player like he was he was the, always when Rock Dermot O'Sullivan was full back Pat, Pat Mulcahy was there on his on his right hand side in the corner like and uh, I suppose the band is sort of getting back together there but he was just a, a brilliant sort of a a real tigerish sort of a corner back and won for Cork won loads of titles for Newtown Shandrum as well so that's kind of a, a bit of a buzz about that appointment there but um, your man Gary Deegan he was he had some sort of small role. Um, maybe it was just, and like I know, like he was in once or twice, but he was in with the Tipperary Hurlers when they won in twenty nineteen under Liam Sheedy. He was in with the Jim Gavin's Dublin team for a while as well. Yeah, so Kieran Kingston, like when he had him in before, and he's bringing him back in now. He obviously has a lot of faith in him, and um, like I suppose to shake things up, like Cork weren't too far off last year, but they're looking to make the little marginal improvements that they, they need well they need big improvements to catch Limerick so Sports psychology seems to have kind of evolved a little bit uh, in the GEA Lee and they're more like in the Caroline Courage kind of mould where they're almost like an intermediary between the players they're a shoulder to lean on they're you know someone that's not within the management team that you can talk to um, you know and sports psychology will obviously come into those conversations but it's not necessarily the sports psychology. I don't know, like my my experiences in the 90s was just kind of you'd be laughing out loud at some of the stuff. It doesn't seem to be these they don't seem to be these group sessions. They seem to be one on ones with players that want help. And I think that's the best way to do it, because there's still loads of players that are very cynical about sports psychologists. Yeah, no, 100 um, percent. It's it's the sort of thing. It only really works if you want it to work and if you, yeah. if you if you think it's something that uh, you personally will benefit from, then you go and uh, talk to someone about it, you know, and, and see the benefits that could come from it. If you force someone to sit down, you know, and talk through your problems and, or you have to come out and say what, what you're thinking of or what issues you may have, even if you don't have them, you know, you're going to be, you're, you'll feel trapped in a corner. And then a lot of them can be I mean, like, not all sports psychologists are the same, you know, some are better than others. And if you get a bad one or one who uh, you just can't, relate to then that's just going to tarnish your whole uh theory on it anyway um so i i don't know like i mean i think as players get older they seem to get more interested in it you know as as the seasons uh start to tick on i interviewed michael murphy last week and he was so fascinated by it because his his whole theory with the whole thing was that everyone's s and c at county level is pretty much at the same now you know it's sort of everyone's can peak at that level the the information's there the experts are there and it's been done before and he says skill wise, you know, it's it's much more the same as well. You know, we've got the top top footballers throughout the years, and then combine that with the S and C, and they're performing at this incredibly high level. But he says the one thing that's still, it's it's not completely perfected, and it's not universal. It, it is the sports psychology, and um, so he went and studied it as a master, just for his own benefit, nearly more than anything else. And it's something that he looks very strongly into and you know you're not going to argue with someone uh like him but that's purely because he wanted it and uh he opted for that and and if you're against it then yeah you shouldn't be uh forced to go down that route is he pro or or against uh messages taped to your wrists did you know i notice? asked him about this yeah <laughs> i did I, I did i was like uh help help me prove a situation here but the uh i i just basically said about the the connor Mailer thing um and how he t- wrote uh, sweat courage on his wrist and the tape on his wrist and stuff and he just he, he just confirmed what actually I'd said on the podcast that it's uh it's an old trigger technique to try to reset yourself and uh, sports psychology that's not the only way to do it there's loads of different ways um but uh it's all about resetting yourself and focusing on what's important now a bit like that the tea and toast story like that to them that resonates the meeting the meaning of like next ball you know next situation and um, that's, 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 it's very basic actually. Um, so he didn't say he does it, uh, but he says it's definitely a form of triggers and he says he has different ones, but he didn't tell me, tell me which. Here, here, I, cause I, I thought about this after our conversation about it the last time Lee, when I was driving home in my car and I was thinking about this trigger and bringing yourself back into the, into the now. And the more I thought about it, it was like, say, so obviously you're in Crow Park and you've kicked a wide, for example, and, you know, your, your brain scrambles and you, you look at your wrist and now it resets you or whatever. So it's obviously a technique. 
when everything's going on wild around you to look at it and reset yourself. And then I was thinking, if everything's going scrambled all around you, who says you're going to remember to look at it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's habitual at this stage. And, and I think it, that's what the sports psychologists teach. But if you remember to look at it, can you not yeah. remember to tell yourself, here, cop on here now? But that, but that is it, though, because then, because the, the words don't actually mean anything, really, or the picking up the blade of grass and throwing it away, it doesn't actually mean anything. But because you remember to do that, you're remembering to stay in the moment and stay calm. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, you have an answer for everything on this one. I'll get you next <laughs> week. <laughs> I think Lee should be a sports psychologist. He's a great know, way. Good. Yeah. Very good way of explaining it now to a cynic, yes. even an old cynic, a 43-year-old cynic. Yeah, he... he uh, He's an answer for everything. Henry Henry has uh, added to his backroom team. It's it's a very very small backroom team. It was two, now it's four. Yeah, it's um, Kevin Lally who is the uh, Saint. He's won, I think it's is it three county titles in a row with Saint Thomas's, and he was involved with the Galway minor team when they won the All Ireland as well. But he was actually in the frame like before, like Henry came from nowhere to take the job. But like when they were picking their manager at the start, like who's going to be the next Galway manager. Kevin Lally was one of the main men and a lot of people from Galway were were eager that he would get the job. So it definitely seems like a great appointment for Henry to make. And Damien Joyce, I have a bit of experience with him because we had a training session. We went out to Capitagal, which is his club last year, and he took us for a wall ball session. And I'd say it was one of the liveliest 40, 40 minutes I've ever done in my life. Like he, um, He's a former Galway captain, but... That was back around 2009-10, but he was still playing with his club up until, I think he, he was still on the panel this year, but an injury kept him out of the championship for Capitagal. But as 40, 41-year-old men go, like he, the man is absolutely ripped and he's, he's as fit and as dedicated and as committed as, as any player you would have ever come across. But he's um, respected as a coach as well. So, right. so a young, it's a young backroom team really, isn't it? Yeah, well, Damien Joyce is a young man anyway. And isn't it Richie O'Neill? Yeah, and Richie O'Neill is the other lad um, Henry brought with him from Kilkenny. Like he was his coach when he was with Ballyhale. I think he was a sub Kilkenny goalkeeper um, a good few years ago. But um, yeah, I think Henry was eager that he'd get a few Galway lads in, in with him and uh, he definitely seems to have got the best of them there. Yeah, exactly, because always, it always is a risk when you go to another county and you get selectors from that county and you're, you're kind of, you're basing it on recommendations and sure, they might not be great. I've seen it in Leash. I think he actually played um, Fitzgibbon Cup with Damien Joyce down in Waterfield ah, right. IT, so there's a, the, the hurling world is small, I suppose. Very good, it probably is. <laughs> um, last one uh, before we get into part two is, I saw this last week, uh, Lee, I'll start with you, I want your opinion on this as well, Niall, is um, the Roscommon County Final, Pierce's and Clonagale, and the referee got a, a county medal afterwards, after the match. So he went up into the stand and got presented with a medal. You see in the Champions League a lot, right? Don't the, 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 the referee's team get medals and stuff like that. Uh, he had a good game in the game and David Goff was tweeting about this. Obviously a referee, so he'd be very biased. A referee who would probably love to go up and get a medal after an All-Ireland and wave to the crowd, David, um, probably would. Following on from a fine performance in the Roscommon County Final on TG Cahar, referee Patrick McTiernan was presented with his medal in the stands post-match. Every county should be urged to follow this example. It's a big day for the officials too. Just wondering what you think if this should become a tradition in the GEA or not. I'm kind of torn on it. I think it's great if a referee has a good game, but a, re- a referee has a bit of a shocker. It could be a, da- a dangerous game <laughs> walking up through that the crowd into the stand. No, it definitely can be. Is that the same referee that was doing the keepy uppies on TV? That's him, yeah, he, yeah. He, he knew the cameras were on. I, I, <laughs> thinking I would totally do that as well. Um no, let me think. Like, if I was a referee um, and that was my involvement in the sport that I love, then I would be very competitive in that sport in my field. So I want to be the best referee. And you be the best referee by refereeing the best game. So in that county, getting to be at the club, you know, senior final, and you're the man in charge of that. You know, at the end of it, having something to show for it, I suppose, is really good because you, you're you obviously the best referee that season uh, to get selected for that is my thinking on it, you know, in terms of, competition and, and being involved yeah. in the sport so maybe if, if, is the medal a little bit different is it exactly like a county medal you know is he a county champion uh you know i don't think they really take it that much difference i mean it probably does no harm and in the sense that like the, there's maybe a shortage of referees particularly up here uh, if it incentivizes it at all 
then it, it's, a, it's a benefit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to know. You see in the Champions League, they give losers medals. So the losers team goes up first and it almost feels like this is a build-up. Then the refer- I think the referees might get it first, then the losers team and it's a build-up to the winning team coming up. In GA, losers don't go up and get medals. You'd see the referee would be going up before the, before the cup presentation. Imagine a county champion only winning it for the first time in 50 years. Like, would you come on? You know, the referee... I do think they should. I'd be very surprised if they don't get a plaque to acknowledge the fact they've refereed a county final or something like that. I don't particularly agree with them going up and getting a medal around their necks, but I definitely think if they're not getting some sort of uh, recognition and something for their mantelpiece to say they refereed a county final, All-Ireland final, Leinster final, I think that's disgraceful that they don't get something for their house, you know, as an acknowledgement. I'm not. I'm. I'm torn on on the on whether they go up before the team into the Hogan stand and get a medal. Yeah, it's uh, like it's definitely it's a it's a tough one. Like you'd wonder, maybe is it a thing where like if if a referee like do you know if a referee is a bad game, I'd say the last thing they'd want to do they could get booed. The last thing you'd want is to go up like after having a bad game. Maybe the crowd are on your back and then you're going up and getting a medal. Like that just wouldn't really work. Like um. But they should definitely get recognised. Um, like it, it's it's probably an, enough. It's it's an award in itself, maybe for the referee to get these big games. But anything to like maybe sort of glamorise it to kind of incentivise yeah. people to become referees. Because I know like there's always texts going out from our own club. There's a shortage of referees. We don't have people to referee this game. So they definitely should be, I suppose, treated with the respect that they deserve. But um, any referee who's doing kick-ups before a game, he deserves a medal. <laughs> he did. He did. He did a few soccer kick-ups before the before the game. Again, just fast track ex intercounty players into intercounty referees, and I'll I'll join the program. Fast track two week intensive program, <laughs> and I'll be ready for my intercounty uh, debut. Uh, league debut. Right, we'll leave it there, lads. We'll come back in part two. We're going to talk about Durless Og and Turles Sarsfields. So we spoke a little bit on Monday about Turles Sarsfields Academy, Durless Og, and how they're complete separate clubs and wear different colours and have different club grounds. We thought it was a very u- unusual um, situation. So I'm delighted to be uh, joined on the line by Keen Tracy. Keen hurls with Turles Sarsfield's B team and he also coaches with Durless O. Keen, how's it going? Good, Colin, and yourself. What the hell's going on here, Keen? Can you can you dumb this down for the rest of the country? Because this is obviously very, very, uh, you know, there's nothing unusual about this for you, but explain how this all came about. Yeah, I suppose, Colin, for people in Turles, this is, it's very natural or for, for kids growing up in Turles. Basically, in 1979, Dorlis Oak was set up and at the time the underage structures in, in Turles were a little bit all over the place. Turles Sarsfields had a little bit of underage, Luke Hailty had a bit of underage, Fenleys, all the different clubs. And basically in 1979, Turles Sarsfields, Turles Fenleys, and Kickhams came together and decided that they had to put a little bit of structure on the underage setup in Turles. And lads like Brother Con Higgins and Mick Carroll, who's still there, our president, Michael Kendi, Jimmy Coppinger, lads like that, came together and basically put together a juvenile club that would be a standalone club within the town with no affiliation to any adult club, right. per se. And I suppose as the years went on, it became a, a really successful club in its own right. In 1990, it, uh, its grounds uh, in Park de Nogue, um, became uh, were opened. And fr- from there on, the kind of thing snowballed and it became a really, really successful club. But as I mentioned earlier, and a lot of people now know, it is a standalone independent club with, with no actual affiliation to any adult club. Right. So, like, I mean, th- th- this is what's happened. So, the Durless Oak is a standalone. What Durless Oak play up until under 17, that's their, pretty much their senior team. And then their players have to get a transfer to Durless Sarsfields. Am I right? That's right. They can transfer. W- once they finish the under 17 grade, up to last year in Tipperary Club Hurling would have been under 16 they then go on and they transfer to whichever club they choose within the parish. So that could be Turles Gales or it could be Turles Sarsfields. Right. So right now in the right now in the in the town there's Turles Sarsfields and there's Turles Gales. And Turles Gales is made up of um, the Kickhams, the Turles Fennellys, um, you know, the teams that originally went into this agreement to feed all their juveniles into into uh, Durles Oak. Right. So now they've broken away and they have their own juvenile. Um, set up so pretty much effectively right now Durles Oak is Turles Sarsfield's juvenile club would I be right in saying that? 
It, it, it's not. It, it's, it's as I said. It's a standalone club, and there are um, boys who decide at the end of under seventeen to go to third scales. It, it's not per se. It's basically like a primary school, a primary school that has strong links and strong coaching links to third scales. But there are a number of players who would go the other way and would go to neighbouring clubs, and some over the years have gone to Holy Cross, Ballycahill, and Lockmore, Castleine. It's not per se that every single. Um, boy who finishes at under 17 goes and plays for Thurlis Arsenal. Right, but like a percentage-wise, how many would, would go on to play for Thurlis Arsenal? Ah, to be honest, Colm, you are looking at a strong percentage. Um, you're probably looking at 90% plus go on and play for Thurlis Arsenal. Like, there are a number of reasons for that. The, you know, a lot of the coaching done within the teams in Thurlis Oak is done by guys who would have played for Thurlis Oak and then gone on and represented Sarsfields. And if you just look at the coaching structure that we have at the moment, and under 13 level, you've Rocky O'Dowd as the manager, Conor Gleeson, who captain tip in the All-Ireland in 97, is there. Paddy Moore, who'd be a great um, underage coach in Thurlis there. You move on to the 15s, Reds or O'Grady, you know, a legendary figure in both Fenleys and Thurlis Sarsfields, is there with John Lawler, who would have been curled for years with Sarsfields. At 17 level, you have Tommy Mayer, um, and Tonto Lannick and Andy Ryan, guys like that. So there are strong links with Sarsfields, but per se it's a standalone club um, that has its own merits, its own culture, its own identity, its own jersey, its own um, top table, um, its own infrastructure and its own uh, funding. So it is a standalone club. In 2013, it got senior club rights in terms of it now has uh, voting rights at county board adult level. Yeah. And so it, it, it is a club in its own right. Yeah, there are strong links to Torres Arsenal's, but a, a lot of players over the years, a lot of really, really good players, like the Gary Coppinger and lads like that, would have gone and played with the Fenleys and gone and played with the Gales. And, you know, so it, it's not exclusively uh, an underage academy for Torres Arsenal's. So, like, I suppose, the, the way I look for it, I'm just looking at this from the outside, it looks like, you know, the Fen- the Torres Fenleys, the, the Torres Kickhams, um, Torres Arsenal's went into this agreement and whoever went in on the Fenleys and Kickham's side, um, you know, didn't really have their head screwed on because Turles Sarsfield is obviously the big glamour club in, in Tipperary in the 50s and 60s and, you know, the successful um, club. So they all pooled their juveniles together. They all come up through the juvenile ranks in one, cl- in one club, Durles Oag. Who do you think these young lads are going to want to play with when they hit 17? They're being coached by the Turles Sarsfield legends that have played. You know, it was, it was a ridiculous uh, deal, really, for the, the Fenleys and the Kickhams to go into back in 1971 or 79. Yeah, yeah in, in 1979, um, Colin, like, the likes of Tommy O'Dowd, who would have been a Fenleys man, John Ryan for the Kickhams, they were all involved in this, in this uh, merger of clubs or this creation of Dorlis Og. And for them, the idea and, and really the strong principle behind Dorlis Og is to allow young players in the tourist town, which is, which is a hotbed of hurling, as everyone around the country knows, develop and develop into the best players, the best people they can be, in order to then choose at the end where they're going to go. Um, I know f- for people out there maybe who aren't from Thurles, it looks like maybe stacked in Thurles Sarsians' favour. Yeah. But in recent years, success has come to Thurles Sarsians. But you have to look at the column. Uh, from 1971 to 2005, Thurles Sarsians didn't win a senior county championship, 31 years. So there's a huge barren period there where... A lot of players from Dorlis Oak went to Rahalty. A lot of them went to Fenleys. Fenleys won a county junior A title in 2003 with the Lawlers, Gary Coppinger, Redzer was coaching them at the time, Michael Grogan, the manager. Like, so they're, they're, the other clubs were, have been very strong. We are going through a golden period in Dorlis Oak at the moment. But we're very, very aware, Colin, that that won't last forever either. We went 31 years from 1989 to 2020 with no under-12 county title. Went nine years from 2006 to 2015 with no under-14 title. And six years from Rona Mare captain the uh, under-16s in 2011 till 2017 when Dara Sakeham and Paddy Creed, the current senior players, are playing. There was barren periods there and there will continue to be. We're in, we're in brilliant success. We're having great success underage at the moment. But as you know, that just won't last forever. You, you mentioned Durles Oak got senior status. Why did they want that? Did that create tension between Durles Oak and Turles Sarsfields? Not really, I suppose. Um, in order for for uh, Doris Oak to be able to have kind of voting rights and to be allowed allocation of tickets for, for Tipperary inter-county games, they needed to be a senior affiliated club. But the idea of going as a senior affiliated club was never that they were going to go past under 17. That's, that's vital and it's something I mentioned to you um, yesterday that, and you mentioned it at the start of the show. That our under-17 team 
in essence is treated as our senior team within the club, yeah. within the Orlesau club, or under 15s and under 13s. And we have a great management structure and coaching structure because we can give our best lads to those clubs. In clubs, in some of the rural clubs and other urban clubs around Tipperary, their best guys are, are naturally with their senior hurling team or senior football team or intermediate, whatever their top team is. So that's, I think, what gives us a huge advantage, that we have our best guys, as I mentioned, the under 17s, Tommy Mayer is a selector. He was the manager of Saracens when they won a four, four in a row senior from 2014 to 2017. Right. Like, not too many underage clubs would have that quality of coach. That, as I said, Paddy Moore, Andy Ryan, Tonto Lanigan, Redzer, John Lawler. They just wouldn't have that. They, it wouldn't be available to them. And I think that's what makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, that definitely makes a big difference. So, like, I mean, they come up to Turles Saracens at under-19 level and they've been exposed to coaching maybe that other clubs wouldn't have, you know, at underage. Because obviously Turles Oaks, you know, flagship team is the under 17s yeah absolutely and even two like if you look at it this way like and people are talking about the dominance doors over having at this current period we played the under 17 as you say the flagship underage the minor county final two weeks ago I guess Holy Cross Valley Cat, a rural club who are doing huge work underage, Don Ryan and guys like that. We were four points down at the last water break and it's credit to our guys in Dordas Oak that they pulled it back and won by two points other teams are really close to us. This isn't a case of Doris Ogre walking county finals. Some of the rural clubs, some of the other urban clubs are really, really close and drawing our coattails. And this has just been an exceptional year. But as you know, Colm, you need huge luck um, and huge, um, I suppose, resources pooled into and huge hard work. And there's massive hard work going on underage in Doris Ogre that makes them successful. It's not just kind of look, draw or numbers or town. You know, if that was the case, it would be all urban teams playing in county finals. You see Holy Cross, you see in the senior hurling final, Lockmore, Castellini, rural places who just have extraordinary teams, extraordinary work those clubs um, that are bringing them. And, and there's only a pocket of ball between any of us on any given day. Yeah. Just to finish up, Keen, why not just call it Turles Oag and be done with it and clear it up for everyone? Because, it, as I said, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Dorland. It's Doris Oak, it's a club in its own right, and it has huge tradition. And you think back to all those great players who've come through, the Parik Mares, Ronan Mares, Larry Corbett, Michael Kemp, Burke, all these guys. There's huge pride in the club, Colm, and I think uh, people around the, the country can empathise with that, that we've massive pride in Doris Oak as a standalone club. We've massive pride in what we've created, in the spirit, in the unity, in just the, the collectiveness that we have in Doris Oak and it would be a shame for us to ever lose our individuality and our own culture and our own identity and I think people are very very strong within our club we're delighted to be supported by the other senior clubs in the town and maybe particularly that link with Thurla Sarsis that we're very proud of but we want to stand on our own two feet and we want to be I suppose in essence our own boss and you know and it's been fruitful the main thing that we want is these young lads to progress Whatever age grade they go at, whatever wherever they go when they finish Dorla Sog, and you just look just to finish up, people often talk about, you know, Dorla Sog in the 13A, the 15A, the 17A, and it's all about your, your flagship teams or your flagship players. Thurlis Arson is playing the county senior final next uh, Sunday against Lockmore Castellani. Paul Mayer in 2006 played on the under 14 C team when he was up to the age. He'd be walking behind the Sean Tracy pipe band playing cornerback in the senior county final next Sunday. So it isn't all about Billy McCarthy the same played in a 12C county final in 2006. These lads, whether they're A players, B players, C players, they're developed to the best of their ability by the coaching and the structures within Dorla Oak in order for them to become the best hurlers they can in the future for whichever team they choose to go to. One, one final question there while, it, while it's in my head. Is there a little bit of light pressure put on players coming up through Dorla Oak to play with uh, Turles Services? Maybe not direct pressure, but you know, through the coaches through the big link to Turles Sarsfields that these are young fellas without them even knowing it there's an expectation there that the good lads now forget about lads you know that that you know that the best lads want to play with Turles Sarsfields and that's almost expected of them I wouldn't say there's an expectation I wouldn't think there's any pressure that comes from the clubs I think where the pressure comes from and if there is any pressure is these guys are going you know you're, when you're 13, 14, 15 what are you doing you're going to see games you're going to see the likes of Ronan Mayer. You're going to see the likes of Parik Mayer playing games for Thurlis Sarsfields. And you want to emulate them. We're very lucky in Thurlis to have guys like that who are role models, massive role models, and players who, who get so, so much respect from our young players. And I think that's why players want to follow and want to emulate their heroes, uh, per se. You know, I'm sure it's the same in Liverpool, and even following Liverpool in the soccer. The, the boys growing up in Liverpool, they want to play 
with Liverpool, okay? Or in Manchester, they want to play with Manchester United. Or in Ballygunner, they're watching Daisy Hutchinson and the Mahonies. They want to play for Ballygunner. And I think that's just natural. But I wouldn't think there's any pressure put on by any um, coaches or any of the, the people in the hierarchy in Doris Old to play for Torres Arts. Keen, thanks very much for taking the call. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks, Colin. All right, so Keen is obviously Thurlis Sarsfields and he's Thurlis Og. Um, so to get another side, another perspective on the situation, we're joined by Morgan Lanigan, who's been working with the Thurlis Gales Club. Um, that's the other club in Thurlis, obviously. They're juvenile club. Um, Morgan's been working with them for 14 years, seven as chairman, and he hurled with Thurlis Fennelys back in the day. How's it going, Morgan? Oh, not too bad, Colin. All good, yeah. We we were talking to Keen there, and I was making the point to him that this this arrangement of Durless Oak back in the seventies, when it was arranged, seemed like a very very bad deal for the Kickhams and the Fennellys, and a very good deal for Turles Sarsfields. Well, I know back at the time, uh, a few men came together and drove on the idea, and like even in these times, it's hard to find people willing to do put in the work. So I'd say. When they had the energy and they had the idea, there wasn't too many to object to it. And going back over those decades, the 70s, late 70s, 80s and 90s, look, lads were able to make their own mind up and they went back to their own different clubs like their Kickhams and Rahalties and Fenleys. And, you know, they were able to survive uh, in different guises at different levels. Uh, there's strong traditions in those various clubs, you know, Rahalty were minor champions once upon a time. The famous Niall Quinn's heritage lies with Rahalty. Uh, the Kickhams, uh, I won't uh, shamefully plug, but my own uncle was a uh, captain when uh, Tipperary raised, uh, raised the Intermediate All-Ireland. And there was a couple of Kickhams players who were playing senior at the time in the 60s. You know, and the Fenleys then, they probably produced better at a later stage winning a county junior A title so it was working to an extent you know um, right. at the time but look times change you know Colm yeah and were, were you losing many players that you would have expected to come back to you guys after under 17 and they were choosing Turles Sarsfields after it well there was a kind of, the, the, it was it was being seen that Rahalty and Kickhams came together uh, in the uh, early early millennium, and uh, that because their were, numbers were reducing, so they were starting to see it first. Uh, the Fenleys were kind of on an up curve in the late nineties. They had reached a couple of county finals and won a couple of mid titles, and they were kind of on the crest of the wave. So they didn't really notice as much. Oddly enough, the success when they finally won that county title in two thousand and three. Um, that was the definite peak of uh, what was a, a very uh, high wave because within two years, uh, unfortunately, I had the, uh, the the sad grace of being captain when we played our last team, played our last match and we failed to come out of dressing rooms at half time due to a lack of players. And that's in the space of two years of being county junior A champion. That's the sad reality of it. Um, as players, even that were in that club, had moved to Sarsfield and abroad, I must note. But there was no younger players coming through. Right. But they were, they were going into Durless Oak but not coming out the other side of it is the point I'm, um, I'm making, I suppose. Y- yes, yeah, yeah, they were. That's, that's true, yes, yeah. Right. And that has probably been more, more so the case the last 10, 15 years, you know. You really start to see that we weren't... Actually, when I initially done my coaching course, I was intending to go up and become part of the Turles Oak coaching team because we, at the time, we were a, a combination called the Turles Kickhams Rahalty Fenleys. And um, we were thinking, like, right, we need to get somebody up there. But then the decision was made to get our own juvenile club going, which, you know, which was a big decision and wasn't taken, uh, taken lightly and a lot of work has gone in since. Yeah, so just, just so people listening, so now you have the Kickhams, the Fennelys, you have Realty, and ye all joined together as Turles Gales, and you've broken away for Durles Oak and have your own juvenile. Now, apparently, have you broken the terms of the 70s agreement to have your own juvenile uh, juvenile club outside of Durles Oak and Turles? Well, there was uh, a lot of negotiation had to go into this. Because well, obviously the stakeholders weren't uh, weren't around when when we were coming, 
we were coming to the board with this plan. Um, it was a special situation that was granted to Torlis. I don't know of anywhere else at the time anyway, definitely. Maybe there is different situations across the country at the moment. Um, we, well, sure, we had to do. We weren't getting players, you know. Yeah. Three clubs had to come together. And it wasn't because of, hey, let's go and win a, a title here. It was basically survival, you know, from those three clubs. We managed to field a team that year, you know, and a good panel at the time. And what we could see, they were an aging team as well, you know, with not young players. Sorry, with, there wasn't young players there to come through. And technically, the terms were probably um, were probably broken. And uh, yeah, but it was a necessity. You know? Right, it just had to be. So, what's your thoughts on it now, Turles? Turles Gales, obviously, you're starting from the bottom up um, with lower numbers. What would you like to see? You know, the situation being, you know, with 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 Turles Oak, would you like them just to join up with Turles Sarsfields and be done with it? What, how, how would you like to see well, the situation? Well, kind of like for from from all point of view. So, look around around mid Tipperary, and that so they could be considered like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, like you know they're. There are different families in, in ball clubs, but they're uh, they're all supporting each other, you know. Uh, uh, but no, in, in seriousness, like they are they are seen as the one. But I do know the strong traditions that's in ball clubs, you know. And it it it'll never come to pass. Now they do have senior status in Dorlisog, you know, which is something they've been using in the last last few years. And so that's just not going to happen, you know. I suppose for us as a club, what we what we want and we haven't kind of gotten so far is kind of protection. I mean, you're talking over 100 players transferred from our club to theirs um, for various reasons since we established. And a couple of times, there was a big wave of them in ten, a group of 10. And, you know, we, we didn't get any uh, help there. We now are aware of a ruling that can assist us where a, a club can't be left with no team, you know, if players are transferred. Just little protections like that because I can tell you, there's great work going on in ball clubs inside and Turles. And uh, and especially ours, we're learning a lot by, and we we're we're really uh, at our at our best now at the moment. I know we've got we've we went into the schools ourselves. You know, clubs do avail of grants. Well, we went into the the convent schools. For, I, I did it personally myself for two years, and we're after seeing the fruits of that labour. Uh, we've got great group at under nine and under eleven, and we just want to be left to our own, and 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 we crack on. You know, with a bit of help maybe from from others around. Uh, look, the tradition in Dordesog is strong, and we we, we admire because some of us I heard there myself, and our cousins and neighbours and friends that are up there. Uh, the tradition in Mid Tipperary, if you put Mid Tipperary in a map of the GA, like it's small, but it's absolutely massive. The clubs in Mid Tipperary, the way they push each other and drive each other, because obviously it's the fact of the success that has brought this to the media attention, you know. And, well, I, I know I personally coached players on every team up there and some of them won their first medals with us. And, you know, it's 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 something that we've, we're, we're always, you'll always go, if, if only players had stayed on, where would we be now? Like, you know, we do have success ourselves. You know, it's just like in every other parish, you have the rule there to protect your team. You know, that... um player that can't just go up and, and move and leave, you know. Yeah. And, and that's not inter- uh, that's not there in Turles. They can just freely move around. Well, you, no, because you have the parish, you know, when, yeah. once you're within the parish. But we have been made aware of a rule and now that can protect, as I mentioned there earlier, that can protect, because we had a, we won an under-12 county title, hurling title, the first ever in 2019. And a couple of the players went to move and that meant that we weren't able to field the following year as a team. Right. We're made aware there's a rule in there that can protect that status now because if you'd imagine all those players that remained with their club and they couldn't, they had no team to field. And it was a lot of work has gone in the meantime and we now have a team for them. But, you know, the rug was completely pulled underneath us. Whereas, you know, if you're out somewhere else in some other parish where they all, we're all working hard, they have the protection. Like, you can't just open the side to leave because a lot of work column I'm sure as you're aware of yourself goes into these things yeah no that's true one other point um, I was going to make was that apparently at under 19 level so Durless Oak finishes at under 17 it's then as Turles Sarsfield is at under 19 but at, at under 19 level 
Turles Sarsfields and Turles Oak, it all gets complicated. Like, I mean, they, amalgama- right. they amalgamate. So Turles Sarsfields are, yeah, are able to yeah. have their, their 19-year-olds and take the best 17-year-olds out of another club, which is supposed to be another it's, club. Yeah, it's, look, it's, it's, it's not, because like I've been involved at a board level in the, in the Krishna Oak for between both Piero Mid and Tip uh, 10 years. And I've been in those meetings where, uh, clubs come into amalgamate, and there's always you're always looking and scrutinising, right? Well, who's the, the the poor club here? What are their numbers? Can they field on their own? You know, yeah. So somebody has to be the the, the wrong term, the, for want of a better expression, the poor relation. So it's a struggle to see who the poor relation is in this matter. Now look, we don't see anybody not playing Orden, but I, from what I, you know. There, it just doesn't seem the reason of amalgamations or combos, whatever they're referred to, it was because the team wasn't wasn't um, fielding on their own, you know. So it's it's a uh, it's it's an unusual one, definitely. And I, I know probably teams that are competing in the B will probably uh, uh, query that more. We still have yet to be in, uh, at that level uh, for that age group, you know, due to players leaving. But look, hey. There's, as I say, there's great work going on. Um, if we could get some more help, I know in, in Tipperary we have four GDAs and they're doing all that they can. I mean, we have your neighbours up there, Offaly and Michael Dignan, the great work he's doing. He's rightly looking for six more. And from what we hear, he's getting six more GDAs. Like we're in here on the longest. You drive from one in the Tipperary to, to the other and you'll have a lot of diesel uh, burnt. And we have four GDAs covering it. Surely, maybe headquarters there should be a, a, an opening there for a few more players, a few more people in that role, and that would help because our club isn't the only one in this situation. You have clubs across the county: Rose Green, Clare, and you have maybe Clonmelog, not so much to such an extent, but uh, clubs that need help on the ground inside in schools and things. And our four GDAs in Tipperary can't cover that, you know, and they, they need help. They're doing great work as it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, anyways, Morgan, thanks very much for taking the call and best of luck with Turla Scales. I don't think probably too many people listening knew too much about Turla Scales, but there is two clubs um, in Turles and best of luck with it. I suppose you're just going to be the noisy neighbour, Morgan, and like in every big town when you're you're, you're the less successful kind of relation, you're, it's, it's probably going to be a struggle. But I do agree that some, some sort of uh, protection should be put in place around transfers and players just being able to leave you at the, at the drop of a hat. Morgan, thanks very much for taking the call. Take care, Colin. Thank you very much. Best luck to everybody. Great stuff from Morgan and from Keane there. Hope we cleared up um, some of that. It's a complicated enough situation. Um but an interesting one at the same time. Right, we'll leave it there for today. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review. We have a good few county finals on this weekend. It's all starting to hot up, so we'll talk to you all on Monday. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey's eat and a donkey's eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, spit. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> 